This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. You're joined today by Sam from Motive Partners and David Bartlett, CEO of Financial Services at Department for International Trade. Welcome, David. Thanks, Sam. David, you're probably one of very few people in this world whose work probably gets exponentially busier during these summer months. While the tube is getting emptier, I know that DIT is working at full pace. Could you perhaps tell our audience and our listeners a little bit about your background and, and how you got to the role that you're in today? Sure. Well, first, Sam, thank you to you and uh, to Motive Partners for hosting me here today. I very much enjoyed my trip on the underground over here from uh, from Westminster. On I think what arguably might be the hottest day of the year. Definitely the only person in a tie on the tube. Yeah, that's for sure. So my background really, Sam, has, has been predominantly in, in banking. I've been in banking for the past 15 years, the last sort of 14 of which has been at Standard Chartered Bank. And then I was given an opportunity to come and work for the UK government to run the financial services team within the Department of International Trade. So I'm here on a, on a two-year secondment, so I'm sort of 15 months in to those two years. And uh, I run a team of around 14 people at the moment, and our remit is sort of twofold. How do we, one, export the UK's financial and professional services sector to the rest of the world? And secondly, how do we simultaneously attract inward investment from FPS into the UK? Thank you. That's, that's really useful. DIT specifically, you guys, I've been the recipient of much great work that, that DIT do all around the world in this sort of almost like miniature embassies all around the world that enabling business for British firms inward and outward. Could you perhaps demystify what the structure is and, and let our listeners know a little bit more about how they might be able to engage with DIT's people and, and efforts? So at DIT, we just sort of celebrated our two-year anniversary. So we're a very new department in the halls of Whitehall. And we were basically brought together by bringing together different sort of departments within, so UKTI, which is sort of where I, I sit. And you've got, so they created Trade Policy Group, which started with 40 people and now has got 500 employees in it, and also UK Export Finance. So they brought together these sort of three disparate divisions and brought them in, into one department to focus on trade and investment flows after the Brexit vote. So we have a very charismatic and dynamic leader, our permanent secretary, and Antonia Romeo, mm-hmm. and uh, she's been a force for change and she's really driving the department and we've changed a lot in the last 12 months in particular. So for example, the Secretary of State and Antonia recently created uh, nine regional trade commissioners. So they're focused on looking at their specific regions and developing a trade an investment plan for those regions. And then we've also just had two director general join, both actually from banking backgrounds, John Mann, who's the director general for exports, and Mark Slaughter, who's the director general for investments. So the department's evolved a huge amount in the mm-hmm. last 12 months, but we're here to help companies, to support them in their growth, to help them from both the trade and investment perspective. So obviously the focus for myself and my team is particularly around financial and professional services. So within my team, we're split up into looking at the major sectors, you know, insurance, capital markets, banking, fintech, of course, being hugely prominent and a massive focus. And then there are also some of the sort of cross-cutting themes that we look at, things like green finance, 
Islamic finance and things like the Belt and Road Initiative, which obviously sort of cross-cuts across all of those sectors. Super logical when you explain it like that, covering import, export, international and domestic spread, totally cross-sector. It's awesome. And it, and it actually gives me and I'm sure many of uh, the other people out there great confidence, particularly with yeah, our macroeconomic issues fast approaching. We have a great infrastructure in place ready to go out and show the world what we've got. We should all be excited about Speaking of which, London is the world's leading financial centre, as certainly is today, and hopefully we keep that crown for a while. In the calm before the Brexit, maybe with a particular lens around talent perhaps, what do you think the UK has done so well to get a head start on the financial technology race? Good question, Sam. I think if we just take a step back, I think the UK has always been a tremendously innovative country and just as a society, we're very innovative. You could go back as far as 1649, when I think we were the first country to ever issue permanent banknotes. So maybe there's an argument to be made that the Bank of England was the uh, first ever fintech unicorn. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, I think in 67, we were laying cables underneath the Atlantic so we could trade foreign exchange with the US. So, you know, Tim Berners-Lee, who, who I know you know well, obviously invented the World Wide Web. So I think we are an incredibly innovative society. And I think if you look as well, you know, you go back in the city to, to Big Bang, the city of London had to adapt extremely quickly, and it did. Mm. And I think it has a knack of adapting constantly. And I think if we just, you know, again, you look at, at what's going on, you know, where capital flows are and what's happening in the world, let's just, you know, you take Apple market cap, which I'm not sure what it is today, probably about, what, 940 billion. So you probably combine JP Morgan and HSBC, both of their market caps is probably significantly less. So I think you can see where the money is, and it's in tech. So the city is having to evolve very quickly. And hence, I think the huge growth in fintech. And as you know, Sam, fintech is now a 7 billion sector of the economy, the UK economy, mm-hmm. employs you know, close to 70,000 people up and down the country. And I think you know, have to give credit to the government in terms of spotting this opportunity, promoting it, looking at how do we you know, put policy in place to support it, whether that could be open banking, I guess, giving the FCA a competitive objective and mandate. And obviously, all the great work that the FCA has done subsequently in creating the sandbox, etc. So I think that it's something that we are seen as a global leader. As you know, again, perfectly well, I think obviously, we compete with a number of markets and lots of other countries around Mm -hmm. the world are doing similar things. But we as a government and the Department of International Trade and my team in particular, are extremely focused on making sure that we remain very much at the forefront of the world when it comes to fintech. Awesome. Some of those stats are fascinating. 70,000 people in the financial technology sector and £7 billion economic contribution to the UK. I remember we set some KPIs when myself and Alistair and a group of others were part of the founding team of Innovate Finance. And those KPIs are going to be smashed, which is great to see. The momentum is fantastic. I wonder, at some stage, we're just going to see the statistics, I think, merge with financial services as the rise of financial technology genuinely just becomes the the broader sector, which will be super interesting. What what are some of the other global initiatives that you've seen and admired on, on your travels around the world? Well, I think one of the things that I'd like to talk a little bit about today is obviously the FinTech Bridges, which is mm-hmm. absolutely a key policy of the government. And, you know, we've worked very closely with Treasury and they're the, the policy leads on this. So they've created five FinTech Bridges with Singapore, with Hong Kong, China, Australia, and South Korea. 
and the purpose of the bridge are sort of threefold in terms of the way they're set up. So firstly, it's a cooperation agreement between the FCA and the equivalent regulator. Then there's a government-to-government angle, a business-to-business, and also a people-to-people increasingly. So my team are extremely focused on that. And what we did to try and make sure that these bridges are working more efficiently is we actually created a fintech board. So we asked the Lord Mayor to chair it. And as you know, Sam, the Lord Mayor is hugely fond of fintech and mm-hmm. throughout all of his global travels goes around the world telling what, what a great job the UK is doing in fintech and how important it is. So he's been a, a massive ambassador for us and a big help. But we're looking very clearly at how do we open up these markets for UK fintech companies who are looking to expand. So we're doing a lot of work in terms of taking delegations. We've got a delegation to Hong Kong coming up. We're taking a delegation to Sydney for Cybos in mm-hmm, October, mm-hmm. taking a delegation to Singapore as well for the FinTech Festival. So these will be UK FinTech companies who have an interest in expanding their international footprint. And through the work of the DIT and my team in particular, we're going to support them on that journey. And the flip side of that is we're working with the respective governments in those countries to look at how do we attract more inward investment. And of course, if you were going to set a fintech company up in anywhere in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, London or broader UK would absolutely be the place to do it because we're so far ahead. And we have, as I said earlier on, government support from a policy perspective and regulation. And we have the infrastructure and the broader ecosystem, particularly in the city of London, to uh, support that. Yeah, that perfect storm that we have in the UK and particularly in London, you think about the US who have you know, New York finance and cap markets, they've got Washington regulation and San Francisco technology and they almost, they're not just disparate, they almost compete with each other and we within one or two square miles uh, have it all, which is a great blessing. And in that perfect storm of business model, evolution, technology enablement, regulation, listening to the customers, what do you think some of the most dial-moving regulation initiatives that we've input are? I think we're very, very fortunate to have extremely forward-thinking regulator. And if I was to sort of go around the world and look at if we're one export that the UK has sort of led on, you know, been a massive market leader on, it would probably be the sandbox. I think everywhere I travel around the world, I can guarantee you that the respective regulator in that country is either trying to build the sandbox or would like to talk to the FCA around the sandbox and how they created it. Huge credit to the FCA for having that vision for creating the sandbox and then actually taking that to another level and actually creating the global sandbox. So I think, you know, regulation is so important when it comes to fintech. And if you don't have a strong, supportive regulatory environment, the chances of success are slim to nothing. So I think both the Bank of England and the FCA deserve huge credit for having that foresight and continue to push the bar in terms of innovation in that respect. Absolutely. And and the piece on the sandbox at Motive Labs, we've built with our bank members a global multi-tenant sandbox that takes some of the best global frameworks into consideration, CMA9, STET, ISO standards. And it's been a fairly pivotal part of our innovation journey upon which to build everything. So yeah, hats off to the FCA. Really, really important foundational stuff. Flipping to some more personal stuff, well, again, kind of intertwined with work, as it it all is for someone as busy as you. There are some ancillary or parallel projects that are going on at the moment. I've had the great privilege of working with you on the Digital Skills Working Group. The Lord Mayor and, and Antonio Romeo set up 
and has been expertly choreographed by Fiona Burford at the City of London. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about that, what we're looking to get out of it and, and some of the other projects you're involved in. Yeah, well, I think firstly, you just name check someone there. I think we all have a huge amount of support and gratitude to what Fiona does. I mean, she she really is a, a fantastic resource for City of London and, and uh, we enjoy working with her enormously. I think, again, Antonia, as I said earlier on from the outset, is an extremely forward-thinking permanent secretary. And you know, she spent a long time, uh, she was a consul general in New York for some time. So she understood, understands America, the US and what they're doing. And clearly, as you sort of alluded to earlier on, in many respects, I guess the Silicon Valley was always seen to be at the forefront. And, and I think we have to be realistic, Sam. From a capital investment perspective, they mm-hmm. still very much are. I think last year, we got one8 billion of investment into into fintech where i think the, the us was sort of 5.8 billion so we're a long way behind and i think what's really exciting as part of the digital skills workforce both dit and obviously motive partners we've, we've been able to come together and through project circum the initiative that we're working on to look at how can we do more how can we get more capital into the uk mm-hmm. and i think that's a, a really important and exciting initiative that I think will have a massive impact in the future on not just fintech, but technology in general. And I think there are also some other very interesting conversations we're having around the educational piece and what we need to do. And I think, again, there are some very exciting things that we can do to ensure that the UK not only remains at the forefront, but actually accelerates on and takes that to a complete different level. Absolutely awesome. And are there any other initiatives that you're working on, either outside DIT or with other organisations? Yeah, so another initiative I just thought would be really useful to mention today was the Women in Fintech initiative that we're working on. So uh, Rohini Kumar and my team Mm -hmm. uh, and Tom Helm, who heads up the Fintech branch, are doing a lot of work in this space. I think we understand that we have an advantage. I mean, we're very lucky, particularly in London, but I think in the UK in general, but it's a very, very diverse city. And if you look at companies that are successful, whether that be any company, quite frankly, fintech, financial services, or, or a different sector altogether, diverse management and diverse boards generally equates to a more successful company. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got some really great case studies of women who have come to London in particular, in, in the case studies that we've pulled together so far, and have actually said, you know, they probably couldn't have achieved what they've achieved in their own country because of the support, the government support, the diverse nature of the city. So there's going to be some very exciting events that we're going to be pulling together uh, during the remainder of 2018 that will really showcase both the support I think that DIT and more broadly HMG have for the women in fintech and we'll be working very closely with the City London Corporation and and no doubt Motive Partners as well. Excellent yeah I hope I'm invited and congratulations also to your team I know how hard Rohini and and Tom work on this stuff and and also last but not least to um, Charlotte Crosswell's team at Innovate Finance they do a brilliant job particularly on diversity in in our sector. Absolutely I think Charlotte actually was having a conversation with her yesterday evening on the phone before she disappeared on a holiday and you know we're very well connected with Charlotte and she absolutely I completely you know, concur with that. She's doing a great job at Innovate Finance. And I think there's, again, some exciting initiatives that we're going to work together with them on, particularly for the FinTech Week next year. Excellent. I couldn't be a bigger fan of, of her team and, and what they do. Right. The final, I always say fun questions, then they're not that fun, but they're definitely a little bit different and less ecosystem focused. You've had an incredibly eclectic and, and exciting career so far and obviously long way to go but who have been some of your business mentors or, or the leaders in your life that have inspired and helped guide you through your career so far? I think I've been very fortunate during my career at Standard Charter. I've had some superb bosses I think from back when I started 
my bosses when I was in, in the FIG European team, Jeff Bennett and David Walker-Smith, were hugely supportive. They're the ones that sort of gave me my first big shot, gave me some massive relationships to manage. And it was quite fascinating, really, because I was looking after all the UK bank relationships right in the height of the crisis. And I remember them asking me, you know, we've got X amount of billion of credit exposure to these banks. Talk us through the strategy. That was it was quite scary, but it was a, it was a steep learning curve. And, you know, very grateful for the support that they gave me. And now, obviously, you know, the, at the top of the bank, there's there's some hugely inspirational people at Standard Charter. I mean, obviously, Bill Winters came in from JP Morgan, has done a great job. Jose Vinal is our chairman as well, along with people like Tracy Clark and, and Claire Francis, who's recently joined us to run the European team. So I've been very fortunate with, with a number of the people that I've engaged with. I mean, I, I've really thoroughly enjoyed in the last year working and getting to know the current Lord Mayor mm-hmm. extremely well. A very inspirational human being, you know, traveling around the world, talking up the City of London financial professional services. So almost too many to mention, but uh, I've been very fortunate so far in my career. Well, so I second that with regards to the Lord Mayor, Charles Bowman, who's the uh, the 690th Lord Mayor. And I, that number alone tells you how old the City of London is. Yeah. And for an organization to be as adaptable and as dynamic as, as they are, really just is kudos to the leadership because, yeah, they do an incredible job. And final question, what do you think will be the most promising geographic region over the next, I scrubbed out 100 years, it says 50 years now, I guess the downside to it being 50 years is you'll be around when uh, we know or or know that your predictions were wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you haven't asked 100 years because I, I, I'm not sure I'm that much of a visionary. But um, <laughs> but I'll, get, I'll have a crack at 50 years, shall I? Um, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I mean, I, th- I think if you look at demographic growth alone, I mean, just take an example, look at China, greater than the entire population of the European Union. Mm. So if you look at that from you know perspective of UK's financial professional services, you know, obviously fintechs included in that, there's massive opportunity for us to go over and work with China. I think I've seen, I've been privileged enough to, to attend the Economic Financial Dialogue last December in Beijing, and we've actually got the 10th EFD coming up this year in London. And some of the initiatives, like getting Panda Bond licenses for some of our UK banks, working for, on pension licenses for some of our largest asset managers, you know, a really exciting initiative that has been ongoing for a few years now is the Shanghai London Stock Connect. Yeah. So, I mean, the opportunity with China alone is enormous, but I think more broadly, Asia-Pacific, you know, countries like Indonesia, Vietnam, there's so much growth potential and there's just enormous opportunity for the UK, for UK PLC to do more with that region. But equally as well, you know, let's not forget the special relationship we now have with countries like the US. I mean, I was very privileged to be invited to a dinner at the US ambassador's house a couple of days ago. And I was talking around, if you look at, you know, foreign direct investment, I think in FPS basically is about 682 billion into the UK. And Mm -hmm. I think the other way is about 555 billion. So we talk about a special relationship, but I think sometimes probably being a banker, figures don't lie. I think there's a lot more that we can do with countries like America and then also, I mean, Africa. So I've almost named the whole world. So I'm sort of covering all bases. <laughs> you that, did, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, David, thank you. Thank you to yourself for, for doing the podcast today. Thank you to your 14-man team. And thank you to everything that, that DIT do. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to work with you guys. And it's, most importantly, never been so important. So thank you. No, likewise, Sam. Thank you as well to both all the support you give us personally and to Motive Partners. Uh, you know, we, we thoroughly enjoy working with you. And actually, there's a lot of things we couldn't achieve without your support. So big thank you to everyone here. 
That's kind. Well, we try and have a bit of fun when uh, when we do it. And actually, right now, this podcast is sitting in between you and I having a, a very nice meal in the city with, with some of the insurance greats talking about the next evolution for their industry. So we'll go and see Stephen Catlin and uh, and some of our colleagues and, and some of the other insurance industry uh, leadership. But thank you, David, and looking forward to a good dinner. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.